Welcome to the More Than Fitness Podcast. What's up, man? Can you hear me and see me okay? Yeah. Can you can you hear me okay? Yeah, dude. We're good to go. We're good to go. How got my uh, fancy mic. Yeah, man. I like it. I like it. I like the, the bookshelf in the back. You got the little beanie on. You're you're ready to go. I'm warm, man. I'm warm. Good, good. How uh how are things? How you doing, man? Good. I'm in a really, really good mood today. It is what, uh the 31st, end of 2020. Not sure why I'm in such a good mood, but I'm I'm just really excited. I don't know why. Things are good. Is it is it is it uh, uh is it is it business related? Is it just because it's the thirty first? It's the end of twenty twenty. What's uh, let's explore it a little bit. Let's jump right know, into maybe, it. It might just be one of those days where I wake up and I'm like, everything is awesome. You know, it's like things are good, business is good, health is good, um, people I care about are good. Um, so I'm just excited. The internet is good to me today. Sometimes you know it's it's always wild going off on Instagram, Facebook, whatever. You get into some weird situations, but everything's good today. Ah, oh, that's good to hear. I know I like that. I like that's a that's a good introduction. As soon as yeah. as soon as it comes in, um, and I I kind of want to because I, I was thinking about how to approach this this conversation. I, I think first off, it's good to quote unquote like formally meet you. Uh, I, I've I've heard a lot of good things from uh, my buddies Robbie Farlow and Nick Sorrell. They both good. Speak, awesome guys speak very highly of you and uh, Stronger You obviously does some some amazing work. So I was I was definitely excited to to have this conversation. So first thank you for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Dude, thank you. I, I love these things. I um I I love podcasts, but I always get so nervous before I go on them. I don't know why. I've done a bunch and I think I'm an okay speaker. So I shouldn't be nervous, but it's just how how things go. No, it's good. It's no, you're, you're we're off to a great start so far. So so no worries. <laughs> no worries. I try and I try and keep it as loosey goosey as possible, to be honest, because I've found that uh Honestly, that's that's how I get the most truthful conversations is just when people feel comfortable. And that's why whenever we were emailing back and forth, I was just like, yeah, it's pretty chill. There's not tons of it's not going to be like an interview like this question, then this question, then answer. Yeah. Uh, I, I want it to just be a genuine conversation. I found that that's uh, what I definitely like listening to the most. And I found that my audience enjoys it as well. And uh, I listened to some of your uh, the the backstory on Stronger You Radio, uh, and I really enjoyed that. And I want to jump into that at some point. But first, on the basis of, of 2020, I do want to, and seeing as how we are recording this on December 31st, I want to know a little bit about 2020 for you. How collectively has it been as a whole? Yeah, overall, it it went very well. Um, early on in the new in the new year, everything was cool. Got to travel a little bit. Um, the world wasn't in the state it is right now. Um, and then what was it like? March hit, and I that was like the the first moment I got really scared for the business because people were just everybody was losing jobs immediately. People were realizing like, oh crap, I don't know what's going to happen with me and my finances. So. I'm not going to sign up for some nutrition program. So things were slow, scared the crap out of me because now, like when I first started, it was obviously just me. Now there's like 70 people I'm responsible for. Wow. If I mess this up, I'm affecting all those lives. So it was, it was a little scary. We had a couple down months overall, um, rebounded quick. But what is interesting is it opened the door for us to explore a lot of things that the business might've been lacking in terms of some infrastructure stuff. Um, so overall, while it was a crazy year for a lot of people, um, Stronger You and myself, it, it was overall a pretty good year. Did you, have you, have you had, uh, have you had many 
I don't want to say necessarily down years, but have you had other years in the past that maybe prepared you for this? Maybe not even because I know you have had a couple other careers and things like that as well. So is, is there anything that maybe prepared you for this uh, this year so that you can overcome that adversity a little bit more? Yeah, I, I think since we haven't had any downturn yet in Stronger U's infancy, and we're almost six years old at this time, every year has pretty much been busier than the, the previous um, I think just being a very logical and reasonable person and knowing the trajectory of what the health and fitness space is and what we've done, it made me realize like we're going to be okay. It might be a few months. Um, we'll just prepare the best we can. And we know that things are going to go up and down in business all the time. And it almost like it was like, hey, you needed this, dude. You needed to see what it was like to not just have it go your way. Mm. And we've been, we've been very lucky so far and yeah, we work hard and things like that. Um, obviously there's always luck involved and this situation made us realize like, oh crap, anything can happen. Let's buckle down. Let's build the team up. Let's get even more awesome people in here and make sure this doesn't happen again. Mm. I like that. I I made a, um, I, I do mini-sodes on my podcast where I do like 10 to 20 minute episodes about a specific thing. And my last mini-sode that I did to finish out 2020 um, was about how I actually um, felt a little bit of anxiety in the passiveness around the end of the year. And also because I am an ambitious person, I follow a lot of successful, ambitious people. And then you may see on social media uh, of people doing really well and maybe posting their end of the year recap. Uh, and then also, uh, you know, you've had coronavirus, you've had a lot of shit going on, right? Uh, but, but for me, whenever I see those uh, posts, sometimes I do, uh, you know, question, should I have done better this year? Like, should I, I do, I'm still, uh, so I actually just turned 27. Uh, I'm, st I, I still fall victim to comparing myself to, to other people, uh, and, and things like that. And so what I'm wondering is how do you feel about, um, I don't know some, cause some people, somebody actually mentioned to me, I know I'm rambling, but somebody just sent me a DM right before this podcast. And he said that mini showed really helped him because he just saw a post. I think it was by like Diddy and LeBron, I think reposted it about like, if you didn't hustle in 2020 and if you didn't hustle in 2020, then you just don't have it in you. Right. Yeah. And I, what do you think of, I have very mixed feelings. I, what do you think? Yeah. About it? I, so yeah, everybody like always work hard, blah, 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 do the best you can, but I hate comparison. And it's, I talk about this a lot. I, sometimes I love that we can inspire people to follow their dreams and things like that, because I'm very vocal. Like if, if people have known me for at least five years, they have seen me build this company from a cell phone to what it is now, obviously not alone, amazing help, amazing people. But a lot of people see that and they're like, I can do it too. And I'm like, yeah, but this like survivorship bias is such a thing where you see a couple people that did something cool and then you just think, oh, I'm going to do it too. And it's like when Bill Gates and these guys drop out of college and someone's like, oh, well, I could drop out of college too. Look what happened to them. It's like, dude, you're not Bill Gates. <laughs> yeah. Like you're really not Bill Gates. No. That is crazy. So I don't love it. I think, you know, I, I hope everyone could have worked hard if they had the privilege to, which is another interesting topic. Um, not everyone can work hard. There's, there's things that happen to people. Um, so I don't, I hate that like hustle culture lifestyle. I hate the comparison because every situation is so different. Did you, did you suffer with it more in the beginning stages of stronger you? Because I, I think that it, it's, 
uh, and I'm not directing this towards you, I think it can be easier to to uh, get over the comparison as much whenever you have, uh, you know, seen quite a bit of success. And I, I, I do this full time, like I have seen some success with uh, online coaching and things like that. But I still think in the early stages, uh, you can get caught up in that. So has that evolved over time? Or how have you kind of approached it? Yeah, I think it's it's worse now. And it's just um, comparing comparing to things that aren't even in our industry, like other startup businesses, things like that. Early on, I didn't compare to anything because I didn't even know this was a thing other than like some bigger companies and a few people. I had no idea this like fitness professional world was a thing. And to our benefit, we can meet and bring on so many amazing people. So it's great. But I talk about it a lot. And the first time I met Nick and Robbie at a mastermind, I had no idea there were so many people out there like this. And then when I told my story, it was so different than people. Like I didn't have email lists. I I had a crappy website. I had such crappy systems that didn't even matter because I did an okay job or good job and everybody wanted to be a part of it. So it's like, I didn't even, I think we would have had a worse uh, situation if I knew about all that stuff because I probably would have compared. So it's almost good that I, that I was just blind to it. Ignorance is bliss, right? Sometimes it really is. It really is. One of the, and then what I finished up that, that mini sode with that little mini podcast was how I plan on kind of, uh, overcoming that in, in 2020. One, because I think 2020 for me was very much a foundational rebuilding year. Like I wanted to get a lot of things uh, uh, on the back end of things working uh, streamlined, right? So that in 2021, I decided to make it the year of intentional action. So I wanted to get back to my roots of simply pumping out tons of content, just putting in the work. 2020 was very much a strategizing year and 2021 is the year of intentional action because I do think a lot of that comparison and those negative emotions come from simply uh, uh, not following through on the promises you make to yourself, right? And, and I think part a big part of that is, dude, sometimes you just got to fucking get to work and then adjust later on. How, do you, Would you agree with that? Oh, oh yeah, 100%. And I think a lot of people, they're comparing themselves to people that they don't even really know if they're successful. They see like, and I joke about it all the time. I'm like, oh, I'm going to get 10,000 followers on Instagram. So I could, so I could post some links. Right. But it's like, I know people that have hundreds of thousands that work jobs that they don't even talk about because they can't get their business off the ground. So those are the people that might be influencing the newer fitness professional into doing things that are really wrong and they get trapped. And I'm like, dude, I'll talk to you. Let's have a conversation. I'm not going to charge you anything. Like I, I want to help people and share my story because it's so unconventional. And when I do tell it, people are like, how, how did it work? And I say, well, because we worried about the customer and the thing that actually matters, not all this other garbage that you think is like hustle entrepreneur lifestyle. Yeah. It's, it's I, I, I so think interesting. I got that. I got that whenever I was looking through your stuff, it's very, um, genuine and, and client focused. Uh, and I think the thing that I really liked that you said in that backstory podcast was like, everybody else is thinking sell, 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 and you're thinking instead serve, serve, serve. And I feel like your business, uh, epitomizes that a lot. Dude, it's everything. If you make someone feel taken care of, like they're going to follow your program better. They're going to tell more people about you. It's the right thing to do. And it's like, I feel like when a lot of people get clients, they're already thinking about how to sell the new ones. It's like, do you know how to sell the best way possible? Give someone a good experience because they're a, in our industry, 
They're a walking and talking billboard. So why wouldn't we want to take care of them? Not just because it's the right thing to do, but because it's going to help everyone in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and since you mentioned your backstory, I think, and you did say it, it is a very unique one. And I think that a lot of people that, that listen to this uh, are uh, typically younger professionals, probably in the uh, 21 to, I would say, 35, 45 range, some, some older shout out to you guys. Um, but I think they're still, they're still trying to, to figure things out. And that's why I think it is important to hear somebody, uh, that hasn't had the experience of, I knew I wanted to do this at 16 and I've been doing it ever since. Right. So, so will you share a little bit of your, your, your backstory, uh, on, on just like what you did in college, what you graduated with, and then go from there. Yeah. So I, when I graduated high school, I had no clue what I wanted to do. So I went to the local community college. I was there for longer than I like to admit. I graduated and on the way out, there was a job fair and I got hired on as a financial service rep at a bank. And then I got like, okay, cool. My career is now banking. Not too bad. Working around money. Like, okay, this is interesting. Uh, Didn't love it, but was kind of trapped. And then I thought, what else could I do? Right. And then I um, enrolled in an online school, which was a arm of New York state, uh, New York Institute of technology. Then they sold off the college and it became this John Hancock university, which now does not even exist. So my four-year degree, my bachelor's degree, (laughs) if stronger, you doesn't ever, it doesn't work out. And I have to get another job. I have to somehow explain that my degree might not be valid because this school went out of business. Wow. So that's crazy. That made me feel like super shitty. Um, on top of that, when I was trying to get out of banking, a blessing in disguise happened where you remember the movie, um, catch me if you can, where Leo DiCaprio, he's writing checks that weren't good. Yeah. Lawyers were cashing them. I was a victim of that and I got fired over it. Oh, no. So we had this guy come in. He was writing, they were like $600 checks. And I was like, yep, clear them. I was the manager at the bank at the time. I'm like, yep, clear them. They're good. Turns out they weren't good. And I was the manager. I took the fall. I got fired. Luckily from there, I got into human resources where my degree was. Um, But at that point, I just, I was like, I was years into that, like maybe four or five years before I really wanted to get into the fitness industry. Sorry to cut you off. I need, I want to know ages because I think that that's important. Like people like hearing the ages. So what, what ages did you get into the banking? And then what ages did you pivot to HR? I was probably like 21 when I got into banking and then HR was probably 27. Okay. So now I'm 38 now and I've been at this for like six years. Right. So. Yeah. So I was, um, I was in HR and I'm still like, dude, I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, you're, you're too creative and you're being complacent. You're textbook underachiever, like do something cooler than this. So I was wondering, I'm like, how the hell can I get into the fitness industry? I was into it. Um, I was working out again. I built a little corner of my garage into a little workout area. And I said, all right, I know how to do it. I'm going to put a CrossFit name on my garage. I'm going to paint the walls. I'm going to buy a bunch of new shit and I'm going to blow this out and I'm going to be in the fitness industry. Didn't work. Nobody really cared. Cold garage in New York. Nobody, um, like the local gyms were so much better. So I lasted like 13 months there and CrossFit was like, Hey man, you need to give us another $3,000 to use the name. And I was like, crap, well, I don't want to do that. This is like a hobby gym at this point. And it was just after work. So I couldn't even focus on it. Maybe what, six, seven o'clock at night. 
And I pivoted to online nutrition, which is what I think people needed the most help with. And I was, when I first started, I was getting so much shit because everyone was like, dude, no, it's sugar. It's this. And I'm like one of the, at the time, what is this? Like 2014, I'm one of the few that's like, Hey, that's not the problem. The problem is nobody knows how to eat. That's what we have to fix. And that's when developing the program was like, what are the problems people face? What are the solutions we could plug in to overcome those problems? Right. And then from there, it just kind of got out of control in a good way. Right. And with the nutrition coaching, it just started out as as coaching just a couple of friends. Is that correct? Yeah. So it was um it was industry colleagues that were I yeah, I would call them friends at the time, but people on my Facebook feed that were like, Hey, I see you're talking about this thing. I'll hire you. And I was like, Oh shit. Like, is this a thing now? Do I just make up a price? And the answer was yes, I did. I didn't do any research. I was like, I'm just going to get a little bit of money, take care of them and see what happens. And it was like all accidental really. Right. Yeah. Cause I, I, I remember, uh, reading th- or listening to your story and you said that you didn't know if you should jump ship on your current, cause you had a full-time job, right? And then you I was you, still working, yeah. right. You were doing the nutrition stuff on the side. And then when was that moment where you kind of were like, Hey, I can actually fucking do this. And then so, do yeah. I jump ship? Right. Dude, it was weird. Cause like, again, very unique story. Um, probably a couple months in, I could have financially done it. But again, I, I like to think like not necessarily everything happens for a reason, but things kind of happen when they're supposed to based on whatever the heck your experience is and, and your preparation for it. So I could have probably quit a few months in, but I was like, wait, no, let's make sure this is a thing. So that also lasted about 13 months where I did both. So I was on the phone in the mornings, hiding in the bathroom at work. Um, going to my Facebook at work, which, you know, is not a good thing to do as an employee. Um, (laughs) And then I was like, I was talking to my girlfriend at the time. Now my wife, I was like, what do I do? Like, do I, do I stop that? And I did everything to prepare, like maxed out 401k, didn't, didn't even use the paychecks I was getting from work. I was like, all right, I need to make sure I can do this. And at that time, I think it was, I'm going to mix up years now, but was it 2016 in the summer? And I was like, all right, guys, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm going all in. But you had planned for it as far as savings and things like that and making sure that you, you did the, the logistical side of things to make sure this wasn't just like, oh, cool, I want to do fitness now. I don't, I'm not, I don't have tons of money and savings, but I'm just going to give it a go. Yeah. I mean, at that time, it was, I was very lucky. We were very busy. I was making good money. So I had a lot of cushion, but I made sure that that cushion was there before I did it. And that's one thing I think a lot of people don't want to do. They don't want to wait. I mean, with anything, right? Everybody's impatient about everything, which is the irony of the fitness professional. We're here to sell patience to people and we want to be like overnight successes. And I was like, well, this took me a while, like 13 months before I was ready to like mentally jump ship. How, how, I guess this could go towards business or with, with fitness. How do you build up that patience? How do you, the question that I love uh, uh, <laughs> right. I, that's true. I, the thing I love talking about is, is how do you choose the, 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 uh, uh, the, the long-term over short-term gratification? Like how do you, what, what do you recommend? I always think like, think about you in the future. And like the name is episodic thinking, right? Like what is Mike like a year from now? Is that a better Mike to jump ship than the Mike right now? Yes, it is. And that's how I make most decisions. I'm like, well, yeah, biologically, like everything's trying to make us make decisions like right, like in a GIF. 
in a GIF. I can't believe I just said that in a Jiffy. Right. Um, but we're like, we're lot, we're logical humans. We have more safety than we used to have in prehistoric days. And we need to realize that if we just chill out a little bit, things are probably going to be better if we don't rush everything. And I, I think if I would have jumped ship earlier, I just don't think this would have happened because I would have made decisions based on desperation. And when you don't have to make certain decisions, when you're just like super chill about stuff, it think good things just happen. No, no good comes out of a stress decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a weird, weird little paradox thing about like, uh, going against the resistance with things and just trying to force things to happen. And same thing with, with fat loss. Like oftentimes the more you stress out and try and force yourself to lose fat, it kind of does the opposite effect. Just chill out every, like if you do the things that matter, like the, especially in, in fitness, the return on investment is like a hundred percent guaranteed. Just let things happen. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, I think it's doing that consistently is, is what gets tough. And then whenever everything else, uh, like with the the pandemic or if your career goes wrong, like that's why this is actually called the more than fitness podcast is because I, I don't think that, you know, fitness happens in a vacuum. I think that there are so many other effects and that's why I like talking about decision-making because you can draw parallels and use lateral thinking to apply these same decisions that maybe someone like you who has had success in this, in the fitness industry, building this business, you can draw that parallel to or towards fitness, which happens a lot, right? Because like you said, it, there's so many parallels that you can draw between uh, uh, business and, and fitness as well. And everything comes down to decision-making. It's a skill that takes time to develop. And now after like being CEO for almost five or almost six years, like I have to make decisions every day that affect thousands of people. And I have to make the average of the best decision for all those people. Like that type of decision tree in my head at all times, it, I'm probably a, a crazy person because of the way I have to think of things. But I think it's like people generally suck at making decisions. It takes a while to develop that. And you have to know why you make decisions based on what your values are, based on who's affected. And it's just, it's so complex, but it's so fascinating. How much, how much of, because uh, I couldn't agree more, but I want to dig into that. Uh, how much of your day to day is, uh, or, or even like week to week, month to month, et cetera, maybe just periods of time. How much is it like thinking and deciding versus actually doing? Because I think that effort is important in the hustle and bustle. I get it. It is important. However, if you're going in the wrong fucking direction, it doesn't matter. I, it's hard to put a time on it, but I would say, I, I might even say most of my time is spent thinking of stuff. It's, it's crazy. I mean, I watch, you know, end, end of the night with my wife, watch TV. I'll ask like the stupidest question about the show. And she's like, are you even watching? And I'm like, <laughs> yes, I'm watching. But my head was just in another place. And that's like the thing that I don't think enough people talk about in business is like, I was talking about it with a friend today. Like, the time investment in your head, it's just from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed, you're thinking about how to make this stuff better so other people are better. And you have to put yourself and sometimes people close to you on the back burner at times. And that's, I'm getting much better at it. And luckily we have such amazing people here that are now decision makers that I can rely on so I can put my cell phone down and feel like everything's okay. Mm, have you... 
so you said you have had to work on that. Is that does that mean with your your team members? Does that mean like with your wife, like being able? Because I, I think you have a wife, correct? Yep. Okay, yep. don't want to overstep there, but yeah. So, so with my what I'm finding now is with with me and my girlfriend who who live together. We've been together for several years. I find it so difficult to shut off and to to because there's just never an endpoint. And so I that's something that I have had to to work on a lot. Yeah, we we joke about it all the time because she's like, "Are you done with work?" And I'm like, "Well, let's define that because <laughs> done done does not exist in in this world. You just have to choose when to stop doing it." And that's like the best advice I can give you is like, get the cell phone or the laptops or whatever away from you. It's like the food environment thing. Like if somebody tells me, I can't stop eating cookies. I say, well, why the hell are the cookies within arm's reach of you? Oh, because my kids. Oh, because this. Okay. Well, let's, let's get down to it and see why. Do you want it to be close to you? The answer is for, for many of us in this industry, many eaters. Yeah. We want that shit right next to us so we could just grab it. And we're hooked on this stuff. Like I could pick up my cell phone at any moment of the day, day or night, somebody needs something from me. So choosing not to help that person, it like eats at me because I'm like such a, I put so much importance on urgency and I'm probably again, crazy about it, but I know someone like right now is in my cell phone. That's like waiting for an answer from Mike. And I know a lot of times I have to direct them. Hey, we have a department for that, whatever. Um, but even that, I was talking to a friend of mine today about it. They say even that could be like a negative customer experience when they message me for something and I have to direct them to the team. But I have to be okay with that because I can't answer 40,000 people. Yeah. Like that's to me a challenge. Like I want to, but I can't. Do you, do you have any... Um sometimes I do like getting into the tactics and things. Do you have any like rituals or things? Like, do you shut down at a certain time? Do you have like, for me, sometimes it's a hard stop in the sense of I'm going to the gym at five 30. So I need to make sure I get my shit done by then. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm a big fan of stuff like that. Like I have to have those things. I have to have things on my calendar. If I don't, they're not going to be done and they're going to get forgotten. So like if Krista was out for the night or whatever at a friend's house, I'll probably sit on my phone all night, but if we're together, I know like I, I want to hang out with her. She wants to hang out with me. My cell phone goes away, just sits on the charger in its spot. And early on, it was not like that because she's been with me since pretty much I built the entire thing. So like my first hundred clients is when I met her and I used to be like, oh my God, I got another client like celebrating, like calling her my good luck charm. And then it's like, Holy shit. Like I would, she would catch me in the, it's crazy in the middle of the night on my phone, like answering inquiries. And I'm like, I got to do it. I have to do it. I don't know if I had to, but I feel like I just felt better getting it done and getting back to people really quick because I know people in general, just, they want quick answers. I'm like, shit, I'll put in the work really early. I'll make sure I'm super connected. And then I could, I could step back a little bit as time goes. And that's why we have, you know, along with coaches, we have like 14 internal employees. Many of those are customer service and and member experience. So they do a lot of the stuff that I had to do early on. Yeah. How do you, there's so many ways that I could take it with that. Um, How do you, how do you, handled that responsibility, especially during COVID of, of making sure that things run smoothly? Is it just comes down to making sure that obviously you're on top of your shit, but then also making sure that the people you hire, uh, you trust them to, to handle their end. 
Yeah, just just making sure everybody's aligned and everybody knows what the the mission is. You know, like just we're taking care of people as quickly as we can, as efficiently as we can. We're never going to make them feel bad. Um, we hire very well, I think. So we never really have to worry. I, and that's the biggest thing for me is like, it was just me. I was the only person that would ever talk to anyone. And now there's so many interactions going on every day that I'm no part of, but I have to trust the team that they will handle it well. And they do. There's, there's scenarios where I'm like, oh, I would have said that differently. Ooh. And it's like, all right, we just make it better. Learn from it, move on. Do you, what's your, what's your preferred method of learning about areas uh, of your weaknesses? Basically, do you like, do you like reaching out to mentors? Do you like reading books? Do you like listening to podcasts? What's your, what's your source? Yeah, I don't really have it, it. The mentor thing is really tough because we're, we're in such a unique business and I don't know many people that have done something similar that are open to talking and people that have done something similar I learn more from what they do wrong or in my opinion, what they do wrong than what they do right. So I'll, I'll read a lot of books um, halfway through most of them. I'm like, yeah, this is the same crap I read in the other one. It's just repurposed um, YouTube videos in like, I'm like all over Reddit. There's a lot of like startup stuff. I like to go outside of the industry. I think a lot, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm judging wrong, but a lot of our colleagues are very much like only learning from each other. And then we just look like carbon copies. Like everyone's Instagram looks the same. Everybody says the same thing. And, you know, I'm guilty of it too. I've copied people with certain things that, that worked, but I look at it. I'm like, man, we got to be different. And that's why, like, again, I'm, I'm glad I didn't know this world existed when I started because I think I would have went down a much different path. Mm, yeah, I, I, I understand that completely. And that's exactly what I do as well. And I think that's why some people may, uh, look at at least some of my stuff and think that it is somewhat like original, but it's because I, what I do is I just, I steal ideas from different, uh, uh, area, like different fields that aren't fitness, like you said. And I think that you know that's the book, steal like an artist. It's yeah. Just Austin Cleon. I, I love him. That like, there's a couple books that I think are like the reason this happened. And that's one of them. Cause it's like, all right, fitness stuff is not new. Like we're not learning anything new about fat loss. Like we got it down. The, the strategies are another story, but the reason and the cause of it, like we got it. And I was like, when I was starting, I just had a bunch of people that were like, dude, you're not going to be different. It's the same thing, this, that, and the other thing. I'm like, yeah, well, I'm just going to borrow ideas from the things that I think work, throw out all the other crap, and I'll package it up in the way that I think people need it. And that's just kind of that, that book and his follow-up. Uh, he has two follow-ups. Um mm-hmm. What was the second one? Show your work and then uh, oh, yeah. uh, show your work and keep going. Keep going. Yeah. Yep. Show your work and the first one were my my favorite ones. Yeah. I, I think that's an interesting uh, subject as well as far as um, not, not, it's not necessarily, it, if you guys hear the dogs, I apologize. I've got th- okay. three dogs upstairs freaking out over probably a leaf. Um, but <laughs> it, what, what I was saying is I think a lot of people get so caught up, especially in the beginning of just trying different shit. Uh, and I think that not having shame can be very, or, or not worrying too much about ego and just like trying shit because like I, I put out something yesterday. I was going to put a, uh, an Instagram story up to, to other coaches. Sometimes I like to give advice to other coaches about just like, you're going to swing tons of times. And sometimes it's just going to completely strike out, but that's, that's, that's 
part of the process of eventually hitting that home run. Yeah. I think, and I, I say this a lot, it's it's okay to care what people think. Just don't let it control the way you live your life. Mm. Because there's so many times early on when I would like type something up and I would have like some like higher level fitness professional on my mind, like, oh, he's going to see this and he's going to think I'm an idiot. And now I'm like, I don't give a shit. There's a lot of people. I post all the time. I am everywhere. There's a lot of people that probably think I'm an idiot, probably don't like me. And I'm like, well, if you got to know me, you'd probably like me, but I get it. You see me joking around on social media. You can think that I'll help tens of thousands of people while you hate what I say on the internet. That doesn't affect me. Sometimes, you you know, you think like, oh crap, I wish everybody loved me, but it's never going to happen. Like pizza is the greatest food in the world and not everybody likes pizza. Right. Why are we going to care? You know, like, I don't know. It's a fascinating topic, man. It's, but I think a lot of people limit their potential success because they're worried about maybe even people like us, what they, what we think of their posts, who cares? Say it, look at my post, get inspiration, say it a different way, whatever. How, what, what, how do you filter different information on like who to listen to, who to not listen to? How do you, how do you judge? This is, this is, this might be too complex or broad, but how do you judge good advice? I want to know that. I think if it comes from a place of like evidence-based and practicality, because I think one one of the struggles we have as like evidence-based practitioners is like, we forget the strategy and the psychology of a lot of stuff. So if I like, if I come across someone that is like scientifically sound, but says shit that I know is not going to work for people or just doesn't make sense, I'll say, okay, well, has this person helped anyone or have they just read about helping people, which is I think a big problem in our industry. Um, there's not a lot of experience out there. And that's kind of how I think of it. It's like, what is their track record? What are they saying? What are the biases? Like I look at a lot of books as um, like documentaries in written form. I think a lot of these books talking about like, especially diet stuff, they're no different than what's coming out on Netflix. They're just, somebody got a deal to make a bunch of money says what, people want to hear, like, let's be honest, no one wants to hear, Hey, this is how fat loss works. But the problem is no one knows how to do it. Let's fix that. That's a hard thing to sell, which is when I think about it, I'm, I'm very, and I don't say this a lot. I'm very proud of what we've done because we sold a solid service. We didn't sell bullshit to anyone. We didn't sell calories in calories out. We sold how to apply calories in calories out and get people to stick with it. And that's where, like, I always think, like, who's saying it? What is their reasoning for saying it? What are the people that are in their circle that are maybe agreeing or disagreeing? And to me, it's like, it takes time, right? It's like, you don't know, because I was misled early on. I was like, oh, paleo, that's the thing. And then I'm like, wait a minute. This person just wrote a book to tell me that beans are bad for me. It doesn't make any sense. Right. Think Like, you have to just be logical. Yeah, that's what's lacking. I think it's, you know, you have the flat earthers, you have all these people that believe certain things. There's those versions in fitness and nutrition. And those are the ones you have to be careful of. Yeah, just selling you a crazy story to make some money, especially the ones who are very charismatic and like believable. You know, I, I, I think that that can be tough. And I think I yeah, I noticed this. Did you ever have a moment like this? I think I've told this before, um, but it was basically whenever two of my 
uh, uh, people that I really looked up to uh, uh, conflicted against each other. And so it was Lane Norton, who, who I was one of the first people that yep. I found in the fitness industry. He's, you know, he, he knows his shit. Don't get me wrong. He knows his shit. Um, and then the other one was John Kiefer with car backloading. Right. Okay, yep. <laughs> and so I followed car backloading to a T. I thought like it was evidence-based. I was like, I'm on the cutting edge of science and things. And then one day Lane Norton comes along and, and, and starts talking shit about car backloading and John Kiefer. And my, head exploded. I was like, oh no, like what, everything that I knew was a lie. Did you ever have a moment like that where, where two of your, the people that you looked up to then like disagreed with each oh, other? Yeah. It, like similar stories. You're just like, wait a minute. Like I, was I tricked? And I think that's the thing. Like none of us want to be like, oh shit, I was, I was wrong. I got manipulated. And it's like, sometimes some of these people aren't trying to manipulate. They're just misinterpreting things as well, or new evidence comes out and they realize they're wrong, but maybe they're too far down the, the rabbit hole and they're selling books. So now for them to admit they're wrong is taking books off a shelf. So that's tough. So now I, I don't see much of that now. Because probably like you were more advanced now. We like, okay, we cleared all the bullshit out. We know what matters. So like now that it's like nuance, it's like Lyle McDonald will argue with <laughs> Mike, Mike Isertel Isertel about yeah. volume. It's like, okay, I don't give a shit about that. I'm not going down that rabbit hole. <laughs> yes. But it's like if somebody, if somebody comes to me and says, well, Mike, this book says it's not about calories. It's about hormones. And I say, okay. This, this is revealing your misunderstanding of the calories in calories out energy balance equation. Hormones are a part of it. Let's talk about that. It's not that it's not important. It's that it's a part. And when this happens, this happens. And that's the thing that these people writing these books and tricking everybody, they're not talking about it because that's not as exciting because when you talk about calories, you're, you're subtly telling someone there's something you're doing wrong. We have to find what that is though. And when they say it's hormones, it's like, oh, it's not you. It's just your body. That's like different from you, the person. So people like that. I like that. I wish that was the case, but it is. It's like in this modern food environment, you're telling me it's hormones and not how easy it is to eat everything. Like I get super excited about this topic. I think the energy and your energy balance equation is the most interesting and misunderstood thing. And if we can get normal people to understand it, they will be much better eaters. And that's like what I love to talk about. Right. Well then let's, 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 let's dig in real quick. What are just a few key things? Cause I like, I call this, um, fitness essentialism. That's yep. what I call it. And it's, it's just like off the book essentialism from, from Greg McKee. And I just, all I did was I applied that to diet and exercise and just kind of the big rocks. Great book. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so what do you, uh, being a nutrition uh, coaching company and things, what, what do you think some of those big rocks? So, I, I mean, obviously it's like, we have to figure out how many calories people need based on whatever lifestyle they're living. And I think one of the issues many people have with the whole calorie thing is they're like, well, I, I did it before. And then you dig in and you're like, well, did you, did you count calories or did you miscount calories? And usually like we talk about all the time, it's weak day dieting versus weekend dieting. So now they don't believe in calories because of something they might have done on certain days. They don't realize the impact of those certain days and maybe even two bad decisions. Maybe they got an appetizer and a drink. And if they were not to get that, they'd be okay. So I think another problem is people don't really think of like what happens on one side affects the other side. Mm -hmm. They might misunderstand 
how many calories they burn at rest. Uh, they might misunderstand how many calories they burn during a workout and then what that does to subtle movement, like neat, you know, somebody busts their ass on their Peloton for an hour, their body might just be like, all right, I'm chill. I'm not even going to walk. And that person isn't conscious of that. So now that 500 calorie readout of calories, which let's be honest, is probably overestimating reduces because they're sitting on their butt. So is the net calorie burn like 150? But now they're like, oh, well, I worked out. I burned 500. I'm going to eat 500. But then they eat 700. So it's like, oh my God. And it's like getting people to understand the nuance of all that is how you solve people's problems. And that's the thing I get excited about. It's like macros, we're just going to make sure you're making right decisions and you're consistent. And then we're going to measure what happens over time. You're going to talk to me. We're going to see what's happening. And we're just going to adjust from there. And that's the methodology. You, Because uh, I, I think I, I, I'm on board with that as well. Maybe not um, from the, the very good. It depends on the person. If they've been tracking calories forever, like it, it's obviously context dependent. But I do think that uh, uh, tracking calories and the anti-diet culture and things like that have, that's what they've, they've gotten that's wrong. becoming a diet itself. Like, <laughs> anti-diet? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, the, let's, let's like just distill it down to what people need to know. Like we're in this problem or in this situation because we don't really know what we're doing and tracking something helps that. If you have some kind of like aversion to it, ED signs or anything like that, like, yeah, yeah, let's figure something else out. But for the average person, like you're in this situation because you don't really know what's happening. This is going to reveal what's happening and build behaviors. So maybe you won't have to track in the future. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's, that's what's key. I think, and I don't think that's talked about enough. We're not talking about tracking every, every gram for the rest of your life. This is just like, this is the training wheels to get to the next step. Like this is what's required to give you, unless you want to just pick up a nutrition textbook and go into proteins, carbs, fats, calorie balance, all this other shit, which I don't recommend because I've gone through it. Um, I think instead track your food, track your calories, work with, work with a company or work with a person who knows what the hell they're doing so they can guide you along the way and explain why things may do do certain things so that you don't have to do that forever. I don't track a damn thing right now. Right. I'm, yeah, same. I'm like crushing maintenance, like because it's the person I've become, maybe due to tracking. I have this awareness now that I wouldn't call it intu- intuitive eating. I would just say, I keep my eyes open. Like I pay attention. I know what I eat. I know what uh, behaviors will lead to certain meals and I don't know, decisions. And that's what I just, I want people to, to grasp as they go through these nutritional journeys. It's like, don't just track blindly, like make sure, you know, like if you blow through your fat early in the day, maybe you got to dial it back later. It's just over time, people just, they develop the skill of eating. And that's the thing I don't think enough people are talking about is eating well as a skill. A lot of people suck at it but a lot of people can get really good at it if they, they put in some time. Mm-hmm. What are some of those behaviors that you, that kind of trigger uh, maybe overeating or something, or just for you to say, fuck it. Like for, 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 for I mean, I'm ahead. like, I don't want to sound like I'm like Mr. Perfect with my eating behavior. Um, I can, I can have like a cookie and be fine. Okay. But if they're in my face and maybe I had a couple drinks or something, I'll care less. So it's like, I know like what alcohol might do. 
I know what it really does to the average person who might be an untrained eater. So it's like, hey, if that's going to happen, like try to put those hurdles up or those barriers up before you get to it. So for me, it's like, all right, if there's cookies around, just don't drink, like just have one and be cool. And my wife loves baking. So there's shit around all the time. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I know the feeling. I know the feeling, especially I'm actually funny enough. I'm for the holidays. I'm in my parents' house right now. And my mom, just oh, yeah, fuck, yeah. I'm from Kentucky and there's just, there's food everywhere. It's, it's chaos. You um, have to have these strategies to like keep it, you know, away. And that might be sleep. Like one of the jokes we say all the time is like, we thought we were nutrition coaches, but we're really just putting adults to bed. Like we're teaching <laughs> yeah. them to go to sleep. You that's know? funny. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Yeah, no, it, that's, uh, it's absolutely what it is. And I think oftentimes it is just constantly, I, 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 I talk about the, the coaching with a lot of my clients is it's just the art of getting back on track. It's just the art of consistency, right? Just figuring out what's the, the lowest resistance we can have to, to make sure that we nail these big rocks most of the time. Yeah. It's, you know, everyone all or nothing, um, like instant gratification. These are things we're fighting. Like we're fighting biology, pleasure, opportunity, convenience. Like that's the war we're fighting with food. Like we're not going to fix obesity as a whole. We're going to help a shit ton of people, but this is, it's, it's a problem, man. And it's only going to get harder for people. Yeah. Uh, and I think that, I mean, I definitely think that your company is, is, is on the forefront of, of trying to fight that. I know you guys are, are, are big into, to changing the way that, that people eat. And I think that this might be, cause we have about 15 minutes or so. I want to, I did want to jump into 2021 goals. Like what, uh, this could be, uh, let's start, let's start maybe with stronger you, but then I also want to know personally what, what your goals for 2021 are as well. Uh, I don't, I haven't really thought much about it. Um, my personal goals, um, like work goals are, I need to make the infrastructure better so then we can hire more people. We can grow purposely. Like we finally hired someone, uh, Courtney to do marketing, which it's incredible what you can do with it when you tighten some things up. So we might try to get out there. Like right now we've grown entirely through word of mouth. So turning on the marketing funnel, see what that does. Uh, professionalize a lot of stuff. Um, our app just launched a little while ago. So that's like an awesome little feature for members, clients, uh, or clients, members, uh, coaches, admins, everyone is just like in this app. And it's crazy that we actually have this thing now. It was like a four or five year journey itself. Um, just tightening things up, making sure that no one can ever say they weren't served well from stronger you. Like that's the goal figure out what that is and just have awesome coaches that are doing a great job. I mean, it's very unexciting answer. I don't have anything like, Oh, we're going to increase revenue by this, that, or the other thing. I want to help as many people as humanly possible without diminishing service. And I want to give awesome people jobs. That is the goal. That's it. I love that. Do you get caught up in those numbers that much as far as, uh, as far as reaching like quarterly goals or cause I I'm, I'm not that way either. And I constantly feel like I'm doing something wrong because I'm not super logistical and calculated with every single thing I do. So I'm kind of aware of them. And this is going to be like, it's it, I'm going to sound like, so like PC with everything here. It's, I look at those numbers, like members should look at scales. Like there's going to be ups, there's going to be downs, like remove your emotion from that number. You know, if you do the right things, things are going to end up in the right place. And I know that um, 
you know, obviously there's certain goals you might need because you can't project project without them. But for the most part, like I always tell like, and Alessi, my, uh, my best friend, our COO is like, dude, you need to stop looking at the day to day. Cause I used to, and I was like, oh my God, why is it lower? What happened? Did we do something stupid? Did we not do this? And he's like, no, it's just shit happens. And for me, like, you know how everyone will like step on the scale on a Monday and they're like, oh no. And that's like my Saturday is that most people's Monday. So my Saturday with the business, like nobody cares about nutrition stuff on Saturdays. Nobody's signing up on a Saturday. We'll like go way down on a Saturday. And if I look at that and I say, oh my God, like we are like, we're about to be out of business. Alessi's like, dude, everyone's just waiting. They're going to come Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever. So that I try not to get caught up in the numbers because I know that I'm just going to be emotional about it. And that's not the best way for a business owner to act. Has that, has that evolved over time? Were you worse at that in the beginning and then gotten better? Just like people with the scale get, are worse at it in the beginning and better over time. Exactly. I'm glad you said that too, because we've done some surveys where people have actually improved their relationship with the scale over time. So that's like for anyone that's worried about weighing themselves, like most people, it was like 87%. I might mix up these numbers. It was really high. That percentage of people had a better relationship after using it often. And I think it's because they understand it at that point. Um, but yeah, I, I used to be crazy about it. Like I was like, okay, one person signed up. Okay. Two people signed up today. And then I'm like, okay, if four people sign up a week, I could quit my job. And then it wouldn't happen. Then I'm like, oh my God, I can't. So I would be nuts about it. But now I'm just like, I know things are going well. I know what we have to do to make them continue to go well. And there's other people here to make sure that those things are in place that I can mentally disconnect. And that helps me tremendously because I could probably go crazy, like seriously crazy if I looked at those numbers in an emotional way every day, because there's just so many variables. It's just like the scale. I mean, we could have like a snowstorm and it could affect sales for a day. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we look at things that we know are important and I ignore things that I know don't matter. Yeah, just keep keep hammering home those those uh, key drivers that you know. It's 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 again the, a relentless focus on the shit that works over and yeah, over and over and over again, constantly refining it. Yeah, it's like all right, that didn't work. Do it better. Cool, we learned things. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then, so what about what about personally? What uh, personal? This, yeah. So I've been really lazy with a book. I uh, plan. I have like everything in place. I'm ready to go. I have a contract signed to to write a book about this eating thing, right? Basically turning people into better decision makers with food, Um, taking them from the start to finish, maintaining, blah, blah, blah. I'm just lazy about it. I can't tell you why. I honestly think it's a similar mindset to people that have to lose 100 pounds that only look at it as 100 pounds. They don't look at it as 5, 10, 20 pounds. So I have some really good help. I have um, a plan and a a deadline that I'm going to stick to. So that's like a big personal goal of mine to have this thing done this year. I think it'll be done way before the end of the year, um, 2021, and then just stay healthy, keep working out, eating right, uh, staying active. I don't really have a ton of like personal goals. I just want to be like just a better version of myself every year. Do you have, do you have certain like, uh, um, 
cups or pillars that you like to try and check the boxes off each each day or week like as far as like friendships and then relationships and then uh, uh, uh fit, personal fitness etc yeah i don't i have like some trackers and stuff that i'll like i'll make sure i'm like staying on track but i don't i, I like that idea though i like the idea of like okay what did i do for fitness this week or or this day what did i do for personal development because i like learning lots of shit and I think one of my goals is maybe learning things outside of like fitness, nutrition stuff um, more, I guess, purposefully. So like a lot of the books I read are about business or nutrition stuff. So I'm like, all right, let me uh, let me try to learn something that I don't know. And maybe I'll like it. Like a hobby or something. You Are you yeah, wanting yeah. to look into hobby? Like, do you have many hobbies or anything like that? Yeah. So I, I always joke like my hobbies and interests are, are work stuff. Right, of course. Um, but yeah, so I want to pick up golf. I played once. I did okay. So nice. I, like, I like playing sports and stuff, but I only like to do the ones I'm good at. So if I suck at golf, I'm not going to want to do it. But <laughs> How, my um, golf is hard. My wife's uh, father <laughs> is a golf pro. So he wants to give me lessons. Um, I'm, I actually signed up for ski lessons this year, never nice. seen before and tennis lessons. So all pretty active stuff. Um, I want to get better at other things and I do want to find like more interests because other than like Legos and work, I'm like, not really, I'm a pretty like chill, boring dude. <laughs> like I love hanging out with people. Now we can't really do that because of COVID and stuff, but yeah, I just want to have a good time. I think life is Life is interesting. It, it goes really quickly. Um, and I don't want to regret not doing stuff. Yeah, I 100% agree, man. Um, well, we're coming close to time. I think there's one more question I do want to ask that I, I sometimes... I ask this question to some people and other people I don't, but I think that this would be fitting here. What I want to know is if you did have uh, uh, an alternative life and you could do anything, you could be a certain height, you could have an amazing singing voice, you could be super athletic, you could have any career that you would want, what would that be? Well, I, it would have probably already passed because at 38, an NBA, uh, <laughs> an NBA all-star is no more. Uh, but I, when I was a kid, I just, I, w I wanted to be in the NBA. Then I'm, I'm only 5'10 and didn't really work out. I could shoot, but yeah, I didn't work. I would love to do that. I was like a Michael Jordan lunatic when I was a kid. And I, that was like my, my career aspirations were like NBA wasn't realistic at all, um, obviously, but that's what I think I would like to do. I don't know how it would have went, but that's probably it. I can't think of anything else, like not like astronaut or anything like that. Like I just wanted to go in the NBA. I get it. Well, as you can see from the wall behind me, my parents are pretty big uh, UK fans yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're pretty disappointed this year, if I must say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but yeah, that's been something fun with me and Nick have been going back and forth and we'd actually just lost to Louisville. So Sad yeah. day. Sad I, mean, day I couldn't there. imagine though. It's, you know, it's really interesting because if this career wasn't going the way it was, I don't know where I'd be. I would not be a satisfied person. And I'm very like, I'm very fulfilled with this. And that's like something I wish everybody could feel at work. And that's a part of the reason I love like what we've done at Stronger You is we give people jobs that don't suck. Most people have a job that they don't want to go to. And human life, it's so crazy that most of our waking hours are spent doing things we don't want to do. That's not my case. And I'm very lucky for that. Yeah. I think your I think your story is a testament to it too, of, of constantly uh, readjusting if you need to, if you're not fulfilled because of your past careers and things. And now, uh, you know, you're waking up on a daily basis, excited about what you're about to do. 
I work for fun. Like that's the craziest thing. And that's like, how does stronger you become successful? The owner of the business loves to do what he does. Maybe that's it. I don't know. I'm not a special, I'm not any genius. I just like to help people eat better. Yeah. Yeah. And super handsome. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> no, that Austin Cleon that he talks about, uh, work as play. Like I, I love every time I feel overly stressed or overly analytical, I do love opening up Austin Cleon's books and, and it's just, uh, it's just a refreshing outlook on life and business. And it's just, you have to realize that what, especially also whenever you view it as play, whenever you do relax, like we talked about at the beginning, not trying to force things like taking, that's taking my own advice here. Uh, things tend to fall into place just magically, right? Like it just happens. It just happens. Put yourself in the right position, be the right person for that situation and good things happen. Yeah. Check those boxes each day. Yep. Um, Mike, this was wonderful. Real quick, where uh, where can people find out more about you and Stronger You? Uh, StrongerU.com, uh, the letter U, and my personal Instagram, at Mike Dola. Perfect. Perfect. I will, uh, I'll put those all in the description. I want to talk to you for like two minutes off air. But Mike, thank you for, for doing this. And hopefully we'll get to meet each other in person soon. I can oh, shake yeah. your hand COVID free. And Matt and all the listeners, thank you guys so much. And that is that, my friends. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the More Than Fitness podcast. And please, if you could help me out a little bit here and leave a rate and review in iTunes and also take a screenshot and post it up on your IG story. Tag me at mattmcleod6. I'd love to share it. I'd love to connect with you. I'd love to hear your feedback about the podcast and also so that we can share the word with other people. I would love to build up this community, build up this tribe of people that we have like you and I, uh, and get the word out there. Uh, also, if you want more free content, you can check the links in the description. I have my free four-week workout plan, The Ultimate Physique Development. And also, if you want to work with me online, one-on-one for personal coaching, you can check the link in the description as well. Uh, and anything you else you need, please send me an email, send me a DM. I would love to hear from you. Again, thank you so much for listening.